and we are live. Hello everyone and welcome to the ChromaCast. I'm your host, Chroma Cosmos, and I'm here with my good friend, PJ, who is an awesome friend and avatar creator. Every time I have a conversation with PJ, I feel like my brain <laughs> grows a little bit more. <laughs> so I'm real excited to have this podcast with PJ. PJ, how are you doing today? Oh. I'm doing I'm doing really good. Thanks, Chroma. Um, I'm PJ or PJ Drawn. Make avatars. I have a Twitter by the same name and been commissions for a bit. Uh, came here to share my story, though. Um, anxious but excited. I'm glad I'm here. Happy to have you here. I'm still working out the the kings and what have you, but I'm really happy to hear your story and your thoughts. So I guess to introduce myself, um, well, I'm a little bit of an oddity in VR. I'm, I'm married, happily married, two kids, good family and all that, but I do come into VR regularly. It's a, it's an escape for me. IRL, I'm 36 year old middle school art teacher, but no, my story like everyone else's starts way younger. Um, part of the reason the VR meant so much to me is it's, it's been an outlet for my art. I always had confidence issues for multiple reasons growing up, and art was one of the areas that. I had major confidence issues. But when I came into VR, I got interested in the, the avatar art. It was it was something else. I could I've always been kind of an escapist. And it was a way to escape and to well it wasn't so much be someone else. It was more like if I could bring something symbolic or from my mind and bring it to life in yeah. a new way and I could I could embody it and be it bring it to life in the same way an animator or creator does but you know I wanted to be the actress myself and you know that goes to some some deeper things and I got to the point there where I made some of the avatars and whatnot I've even started doing commissions and whatnot I ended up going in to be a teacher Scar teacher for a couple of reasons. Um, one of those reasons, and um, it's part of my faith. I'm a, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, oftenly referred to as LDS or, or Mormon, and uh, I always knew I wanted to do something with art, but I, I didn't know what it was. And well, one day I went to temple services and I prayed and I got the answer that I should be an art teacher now after all these years I really know why that was a good spot for me with my confidence where it was with some of my childhood issues unresolved it was a good comfortable place where I could you know be around the kids who needed help and I could still do my art I wasn't ready to be competitive with art making or anything yet I I might be a little bit more now that I've come to terms with things. Um, 
I've been doing the commissions for about half a year now. It's been been really good. I've got to the point that I've had to tell people that, nope, I'm full up. <laughs> nope, uh, you'll have to pay a deposit to reserve me for next month. Wow. I'm already booked for this month, that kind of stuff. And it's like, I never imagined... I never imagined I'd ever be in a spot, even if it's just part-time freelance on top of teaching art. It feels feels amazing to be in demand with the skills and whatnot. Like a, this model right here. This is a customization of a booth model from Straylam, and I've done some custom work. I sculpted a ring, married. It's a work in progress, but it looks very much like the matching rings my spouse and I got for our 10th anniversary. Though I need to paint in some of the inlaid gems. And, um, well, there's recolor and some extra dynamic phones and stuff added just to add more life to her and whatnot. And, well, some unity work with some custom shaders. But it's, uh, I love it. I love making art. And I love becoming the art. I can tell it looks awesome. And I remember... Uh a few months back when you started um, delving into avatar making you showed me an avatar I'm like you made this that's pretty cool and then a month went by we were busy for for one reason or another and then I saw like yeah. your work and I'm like oh my goodness like in the time that we haven't spoken you've grown exponentially <laughs> so you've made some incredible strides in avatar making and it's awesome that well, no, you're getting... Uh-huh. Well, no, you're not wrong at all. I kind of had a... One of my friends said, like, PJ's going through an awakening. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I suppose so. Like, um, with my confidence where it was, and part of that ties back to uh, my childhood. So I guess we'll get into that. Because, you know, everything, it starts with your tragic childhood backstory, right? Like, my childhood was decent, but... It wasn't without some major formative events and problems, right? But, uh, the times where I've grown most on my art was actually, uh, when I was serving my mission for the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints up in Canada. Um, we only had one day a week that was sort of our prep day. We had free time to do other things. But I always find time when we're traveling, I just draw. But for some reason, the time, that little time I had drawing was so focused that I just grew so much. I didn't get, feel like I got put back at all. And when I came back from my mission to college, the, what I could draw when I came back versus what I could draw before, it was like, it was like night and day, even though I wasn't focused on drawing, just maybe it's just because I had that, that time and I was dedicating myself to helping others while serving my mission. I think that that time I did draw was just really effective in amazing ways. And I didn't have any huge growth like that until, well, back in, uh, in last year when I started really trying to make these in December and I started kind of making progress in January, but from the time period from December to March and moving into the summer, 
I think I grew in my horizons for what I could do with art, both, you know, promoting myself with the confidence versus the technical skill and the branching out of things. I think I grew more in those months than I had in the 10 years before. Just, I was driven for a change. It was, it was, it was a total transformation in all the best ways. Wow. If, if you don't mind me asking, 10 years ago, would you have ever seen yourself making the art that you do today? No. No. I mean, I had the dreams of, like, maybe making, like, a web comic, a graphic novel, or, you know, those sorts of things. I couldn't have imagined this, the VR and whatnot. It always felt like a pipe dream. It just... I don't know, but... The whole idea of trying to make a comic or whatnot, those those are hard. And the people that jumped into it, the, it's a hard thing to keep up and all those things. When I looked at it, and every time I tried to start up, I'd lose motivation. I just couldn't keep it. But there was something hugely different about this. It was you know, being able to find and create symbolic representations of myself in my art. Which is yeah. Fantastic. And the art I do, the commissions, they're personalized. Like people give me their ideas for making their OC in VR, and I'll go find the materials to make their OC. They can have a, a symbolic representation of themselves in VR too. I think a lot of people when they come to VR, you know, you get a a model that you kind of, you know kind of fit with. Like, when I first came to VR, I searched high and low for a good avatar of Yang from the Ruby cartoon because I kind of identified with that as a character. I wanted to use that as my face in VR. Of course, then people called me Yang, not PJ. So eventually I started making my own, my own face and whatnot. But she kind of fit. And, you know, this this model, the proportions and the, the base, there's actually some similarities to Yang. It looks very different now being all purple and shiny and translucent, but there's, there's some parallels and whatnot for the figure and whatnot. And I'm on the taller side for starters, so all the, so many of the female avatars are so short. I'm like, this feels so weird because <laughs> I'm on the taller end, so had to make myself a little taller and well yang was taller than most other female avatars and for starters but i mean i guess maybe this needs a little more context of how i ended up here so i uh, i came here i wanted to tell some of my my personal history and how, why all this has been has been good for me it's uh i guess it's been a way to help me cope See, when I was, when I was younger, um, I used to be really energetic, hyperactive. In PE, I was like head of the pack sometimes, faster than lots of the other kids. Not the fastest, mind you. But uh, everything changed in second grade. Um, when I went home for that summer, I uh, had some digestive issues and digestive problems. 
And so, the year before, I was hyperactive, extroverted, bouncing off the walls. But with the digestion issues, I gained 20 pounds in one summer. And it put me on the track to, well, something different. I was overweight. I ended up losing all my friends in the course coming back because now I was weird and overweight. I uh, receded into the library and whatnot as an escape. I'd look at all the books about, you know, the animals and whatnot. I was still younger, so interested in the picture books. It was sharks and crocodiles were the ones I was the most interested in. Those, those apex predators. And yeah. Well, looking back on it now, I think it was, you know, well, I was alone. I didn't have any friends and. Well, neither did the sharks and, and crocodiles. Crocodiles. They're the apex. So maybe that was my way of justifying why I was alone. Because I was... I was different. And kind of like those creatures. And so, uh... You know, it may not seem like the worst terrifying event. I know people are going to have other ones, but... Oh, trauma as a kid, trauma as a kid, I lost all my friends. And no one, and I mean but no one, would leave my weight alone as an issue. Not my parents, the bullies, my friends, the teachers, no one. It was a constant reminder. And you know, <laughs> well, all things considered, because of the digestive issues I went through, my siblings never had to go through them because they knew what they were. I I got to set off all the red flags for everyone in the family so no one else had to go through the same problem that I did, basically. But that that had some major effects on, you know, development and my confidence and self image growing up. And I know a lot of people have that. Guys, and especially girls, it can be huge and kind of devastating how you might get picked on for your weight. And I got the brunt end of that stick so many times, even by well-meaning people, but it still hurt. It's It's strange because... There's well intent when people want to help, but sometimes that is just counterproductive. It really is. Um, it's strange, for lack of better words. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the start, and get to some other things then. I guess I need to move forward with the story. I, I do want to take a moment to preface, though, for anyone watching. Um, this escape as being PJ herself has been huge for me. It's done so much to help me come to terms and to cope with things. Um, and I'm going to take a, the mask off here. Because I want to be honest. If you know someone you think could benefit from the story... You send them here to watch it so they can hear it from me. I, I want to tell my story. Don't give them the shorthand. Don't give them the cliff notes. 
send them here to watch this. And um, to my friends in VR and my friends and family in real life, um, I know I risk kind of losing some of this escape by taking off the mask, but if that's a sacrifice I have to make to help others by telling them the truth, I'll do it. But if you can respect that I still want to keep being PJ herself, I would really appreciate it. I really would. And uh, specifically to my family, anyone else who may be of my same faith, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, this story I'm going to tell, I have told my spouse. My spouse knows every detail. I've even talked to my bishop. I'm currently worthy and fully active in my faith. This has just been a an outlet. Not a compromise, but an outlet. And it helped me get back to the temple for the first time in a long time, actually, for years. But with that out of the way, in second grade, I gained the weight. But it was a uh, when I was 11, a couple years later, when uh, I think we could say the real issue or the real story begins. See, I have ADHD, and ADHD, like some other um, mental thought conditions, causes people to have obsessive thinking the daydreaming and other things part of that and the escapism but uh, I have one of the more uncommon or rare symptoms of ADHD gender dysphoria PJ as you know her is always been me the personality this is me this is how I act with my friends and family in real life the same way I've interacted with all my friends in VR that has not changed but IRL, I'm biologically male. And, well, it's, I never had an outlet for this escapism. And, you know, I, when I was 11, and I first started having the fantasies, and I first started clinging to, like, you know, role models, because, well, with my weight, with everything going on in real life, and how some of my teachers treated me, I just felt like a fat, ugly, dumb little boy. And so, well, with this dysphoria that developed with my ADHD, uh, I clung on to other outlets and other role models like Samus from the Metroid games. She was awesome. I wished I could be Samus. And Mega Man, those Mega Man X games, Zero, when I first saw Zero, I thought Zero was a female character, and I thought, oh, she's so awesome. And I realized Zero was a male, but that even made it more awesome, because I was like, oh, I'm actually male, but this character is a little different, and I could feel the... I think what it was is 
characters like Samus and Zero, though one being female and one being a more androgynous male, they were they were stoics. They were stoics. I, you know, with my religion, I kind of view the Christ figure as also a stoic. But a lot of people misunderstand what stoicism is. They think stoics to be heroes that are um, not in touch with their emotions. But when you actually learn about stoicism and the stoics of the past, stoics just know the time and the place for emotions. They have control over it. They don't destroy them. They don't suppress them. They control them and they express them in the proper place and time so that they have good impact. And, you know, those were the kind of characters that I clung to. Um, so, for, you know, that big newsflash for some of you, if you felt I was dishonest about that, I apologize, but maybe think about the conversations I've had. I'm very particular with my words. You know, I revert to myself and the feminine because, well, that's what this persona is to me. But other than that, I never actually outright said I was female. I tried to not lie, but at the same time, I did do a lot of misdirection. I I am an actress. I love D&D &D and roleplay, and those have been other escapes for me over the years, though. I never had the confidence to roleplay a female character in D&D. &D. Well, at least not till recently, but that's a story for another day. Maybe that would have helped me find an outlet sooner, though. D&D &D is so, awesome. There's... Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um... But, you know, that's the the start of the troubles. Eleven. Overweight male with gender dysphoria for sign that was never realistically attainable in real life for me. With how I viewed it, though, I, I did find something eventually, but there's a few more years and steps before I get to that. I mean, I suppose, uh, this point, and I've told you this story before, Chroma. But is there anything you wanted me to clarify, or you think, that I wouldn't necessarily think of, but you've thought of since you've heard this once before? This no, you, you you probably say it better, better than I could ever, probably because it's your story, and I, I'm moved by it. Okay, well, so I guess we move on. 11, ADHD with the added symptom of gender dysphoria piled on top of it. Um, you know, it's, uh, lots of people with ADHD have extreme escapism. A lot of them become thrill-seekers or delinquents, and, well, this is one of the things that can pop up in people with ADHD, too. Um, other disorders that tie in with, uh, escapism that can turn into dysphoria would be, um, bipolar, schizophrenia, general anxiety disorder, OCD, um, and in the time I've dealt with this, and especially more recently as I've
I've tried to learn more about myself now that I'm 36 and have finally come to terms with it is if you have some sort of gender dysphoria you very likely have an obsessive thought condition too and if you don't know what it is I'd encourage you to find it out um, everyone gets bullied growing up bullies always find a reason I didn't tell anyone anyone about this at all growing up so I was not bullied for having a gender dysphoria because nobody knew I was bullied for being overweight and I know there's a high suicide rate for people with gender dysphoria both before transition non-transition or post-transition the suicide rate is not good and this is more opinion but I fear it ties more with the obsessive thought conditions. So, if you don't know what your obsessive thought condition or anxiety condition is, I would encourage you to find it out and make sure you're being treated for it, because enough people are lost to suicide as it is. And it breaks my heart when I hear those stories. I've had students who have gone out to suicide. Not, none that had gender dysphoria that I was aware of, but suicide is an issue in our schools, and I'm sensitive to it. I, uh, I was suicidal at times. See, when things first started, I, 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 I didn't tell my parents. I was too scared. It was the 90s. So there was the whole... There was a... A lot of people were panicked with all the stuff as um, LGBTQ rights and whatnot were kind of coming in and people didn't want to be mislabeled as being a homosexual at that time especially where I was. I was in a town that was kind of half and half, half politically and I'm not going to take sides here but it caused a lot of contention because half were all yay and half were nay and I didn't want to end up in the middle of that. I didn't really know what gender dysphoria was and I didn't want to I wanted to stay away from that contention, so that's another reason I told no one. But I started getting treated for ADHD and treated for depression. Now, spoiler, as I found out later, I was never actually improperly depressed. I just had ADHD that was so out of control, and I had this gender dysphoria that I had no outlet for that it gave me so much anxiety it it just it, well I was suicidal I had so much anxiety it almost killed me a couple times I suppose might be a fair way to put it but uh but because I wasn't fully honest with my parents or any of the counselors growing up I was being treated with antidepressants and medicine for ADHD and well I just needed a little bit more medicine for ADHD apparently after all these years that, that's that's how I'm that's how I'm treating it now just being treated for ADHD and well with this outlet for this offshoot of it but anyhow so growing up um, it was rough being overweight and whatnot keeping this getting up and whatnot but uh I made it. I struggled in school until I started getting beautiful ADHD. But, uh, 
as a, as a member of my church, as a Mormon, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, um, there's a lot of encouragement to serve a mission, especially for the for the, the young men and the women, but especially for the men. And I always felt that I had a commitment and a responsibility to do that. And, well, actually, I'll back up. When I was 15, like I, I'd had the dysphoria since I was 11, so it'd been a couple of years, but I still couldn't wrap my head around it or come to terms with it. And what I did find on TV specials and whatnot, they didn't really help. I just, I was like, am I, am I like them? And, well, answer is yes, but I'm still an individual and whatnot. And when I was 15, I wasn't really sure what to do with this. Because I, like, I was born male, but, you know, was I? And so when I was 15, I, I said a prayer after listening to a hymn from our church that talked about how um, things are eternal. See, in our faith, we do believe that we've always existed in one form or another, and then our heavenly parents gave birth to our spirits, but we've always existed. And then eventually, we move on and we come down to earth as part of our progress through this journey to improve and progress. And, uh, so I prayed just to know that God existed. And then if God existed, if that also meant I was some sort of eternal being, one of his children. And I got the answer, yes. And so, despite going through this, I knew that I was a child of God and that I had eternal potential and I was going to do my best to become a better person and uh, I've n and a lot of people going through dysphoria they I know they don't have good experience with some religious people I know and that's one of the reasons I'm trying to be forward and honest about it and those of you who I've met like me with dysphoria I try and be honest about my faith, even if I didn't tell you I also had dysphoria. I'm, I'm telling you now. But I've never resented my faith. Never. I've had trouble coming to terms with it, and the fact that I'm like this, and it's taken me a very long time to figure out. I didn't figure out till, well, a couple months ago, I found some good way to cope. But, but I moved forward with that knowledge, and I never really drifted too far away from my faith. Even though, you know, sometimes I, I kind of wish things were different, I still always believed. And honestly, the faith and hope that there's something more after this life, and there'll be some way to, you know, make all this work out in the end, that gave me hope to keep going that kept me alive a couple times but moving forward to the mission I went on a mission to serve for the church and you know we 
we did service helping people we would teach about the gospel and whatnot and you know on that note like my faith and me personally we do not believe people that are LGBTQ go to hell that's it's it's not that's there's this overarching condemnation that a lot of people say a lot of the Christian faiths put out there and that that's not how we view it. and we don't even view hell the same way a lot of other people do and you know we believe God is a God of mercy I'm hoping to you know see all the friends I've made in VR up in heaven at some point it's uh it's just a little more complicated than a lot of other faiths kind of spell it out how we believe but eventually there'll be salvation for all we believe that I I do love my neighbor and I don't judge anyone differently for how they uh, cope with their dysphoria I mean um, as we move forward with this uh, I did not transition I don't have plans to transition, and I don't judge anyone differently if they do. It's their choice. But, uh, well, over the formative years, I guess I'll get to the point of why I didn't transition. Well, other than maybe virtually, I suppose. But, um, when I was on my mission, we're supposed to be representatives of our faith. We have to live to the standards of our church. Of course. And about partway through, I had to have a, an interview to make sure I was living up to the standards. And um, it's probably the first time in my life I actually sought counseling for this. I was struggling with this on my mission, just like every other time in my life. And so I went to one of the I went to a psychologist, and we started talking about it. And I was, I learned some things that gave me some hope to make some progress, but. I didn't have very many sessions because I, I moved. I got moved out of town where I couldn't speak to the psychologist on a regular basis, and um, I had an interview with my mission president. And so he was asking the questions about my keeping the standards of the church and whatnot. And when someone came up, I, well, I, I came clean about this, and I was having struggles with it. You know, I talked to the psychologist. I'd asked the psychologist to tell the mission president some of the things that I'd been told so that, you know, it wouldn't be taken the wrong way. Psychologist never got around to telling the mission president about this and how I was trying to figure it out and cope with it. And it got really scary in the room. I just about got sent home from my mission when I brought this up in the interview. And my mission president got very upset. Very angry. He didn't understand. I didn't understand. Let's be let's be frank here. I still didn't understand. Just about got sent home, but the Holy Spirit was in the room and there was an overwhelming impression that even though he was angry, I was supposed to stay. And I just blurted that out right. It's like, I know you're angry, but you know this, but we can both feel the spirit saying I should stay. And he said, yes, but I am still angry. And I was like, I will sign your papers. And I do so angrily. And it's like, 
<laughs> it was really scary and it made me clam up about this even more. And all things considered, the very next time I met my mission president, he gave me a handshake and a hug and he asked me how I was doing. Whatever anger he had felt, he'd, he'd come to terms with it. He knew I was still trying. Despite, well, yes, but this is just part of me. Though at that time I was still super resentful. I wanted this to go away. I tried to pray this away for 25 years. She's still here. <laughs> it's not <laughs> going away. It's not, but... I'm grateful for it at this point. So I guess we should fast forward a little bit to closer to the pre to college in the present day. Though, do you have any any questions that you can think of or you think the audience might anticipate? Not to come to mind. <laughs> it's it's it. Like no, 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 no. This it feels. This is a. It's listening to your journey. It's very. It's. It's really fascinating because you have a very unique journey, and it slowly and the way it unfolds is is really interesting and really unique. To where we are, well, to I where so. you were then, to where you are now. The. What happens in between is really yeah. There's there's all those points between point A and point B. Yeah, so we're kind of getting there. So you know, after my mission, college it took me eight years to get through college. Part of this. Um, I figured if I was going to transition, I'd have to do it during college. That would be the most convenient time, the easiest time to do it. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier about the transition. I'm not, I don't judge others for making the choice. It's theirs to make. Ultimately, I didn't make it, but it was not a decision I took lightly. It was not a decision I made easily. And it was not a decision I made over over overnight. It was basically the first three years of college when I got back from my mission. I was off and on and back and forth. And do I do it? Would I be better for it? Would it make me happy? And well, of course. And all that, I tried to suppress my dysphoria even more. And I have to tell you, the times that I tried to push this down, beat this down, or kill my gender dysphoria, those are the times I was the most depressed and the most suicidal. Those were the worst. That I, I don't know about other people's experience, but trying to completely suppress my gender dysphoria was basically suppressing a part, an integrated part of my personality and my, my creativity. And it was, it was literally killing my imagination, which was 
making me want to kill myself is the best way I could explain it but ultimately after about three years of the back and forth the up and down the push it away indulge the imagination the push and pull about all of it I just decided you know what I just need to make a decision am I gonna do it am I not gonna do it and um, you know sometimes you imagine things and sometimes it feels like you can get a glimpse at your future and the reason I chose not to transition is after giving it some thought some pleading and some prayer and you know trying to pray for it to go away which it didn't um, I envisioned myself in the future if I had transitioned and I saw myself alone watching television in an empty house and that may very well have been my reality I'm really tall and overweight I don't think I could have passed if, even if I wanted to and so I decided that for me that was not a risk I wanted to take I didn't want to be alone so I decided to start dating finally at the age of 24 like all the dating I'd done before that were basically not really dates it was a friend encouraged me or it was a relative of a friend or it was convenient to make it a date versus something else because I wanted to go see a movie and why not make it a movie day but I never I had never seriously dated but then I decided well if I don't want to be alone and I do want to raise a family in my faith I better get to it so I finally started dating had some rejections and eventually a good friend of mine, Ace, you might meet in VR, Ace introduced me to my spouse. And uh, for those of you who know me in VR, I always say spouse, I don't gender my spouse because I don't want to misgender my spouse while keeping up this appearance. But since you know in real life I'm actually male, well, you know my spouse is not male now. But in VR, I will keep referring to it as just spouse to, well, keep up my appearance that is PJ. But anyhow, I met my spouse and um, got married. And for the first year, actually that was the first time I did try art commissions. I did some art trades with people. I was in a good spot for a little bit and you know I kind of made the choice that you know okay if I don't transition I will not have a female body but maybe with marriage with that togetherness you know maybe that would be enough because I'd have my spouse's body you know as we're together you know in intimacy it wasn't enough <laughs> It wasn't enough to, it wasn't enough to express this. It, it wasn't. After the first year of marriage, we had a rough spot. Um, let's see. 
growing up, I I try I I was a good kid growing up. I um tried to stay away from things and you know sometimes I looked at material that you know would be pornographic. I I admit it, though I never really acted out on it. But after a year of marriage and it not being enough, I did get into pornography. It was pornography related to being transgender. I will not go into the details. I want to keep this as wholesome as I can. But I did. Off and on for nine years, I just... I didn't have any way to figure this out or express it and that was something was the only thing I found. Now, it didn't fit up with my beliefs. And uh, I just, I needed something to express this is the only thing I found. And I, my, my spouse knew, I told my spouse, didn't understand, but I didn't understand either, but I just, I needed something and we could never quite figure it out. I could never figure it out. And so they were up and down for nine years and well, I I wasn't worthy enough to go to temple services. I didn't even try, I knew I wasn't. I knew I wasn't living the standards by looking at pornography and acting out on it. But I couldn't stop because I still needed something to express this. And so it was a really really rough nine years as far as our intimate relationship now our relationship and our trust in each other with our kids our finances making a life and a home together all of those things were amazing we really became best friends in so many ways but due to my gender dysphoria well we we had trouble building an intimate relationship. But I eventually found something. So it was maybe a couple months before I started looking into the AR stuff with that facial capture and I thought I could use that and I could put on the face and I could be a female for like a D&D &D campaign and I could animate it and whatnot and it just got me looking at things and in 2020 with all the COVID stuff um, I ended up getting some online students and a $300 stipend for teaching online classes which is exactly how much a quest 2 costs <laughs> heck yeah <laughs> and well I was still struggling I still hadn't figured out anything to do with my dysphoria because suppressing it never worked. Trying to go to the like 12-step programs to get past pornography never worked. That always made me feel more depressed because, you know, I did but didn't do it for the same reasons as the other people. It was very different, but obviously I didn't tell them. I was still, you know, unsure and afraid about this. And well, did, well, didn't want to admit I had gender dysphoria. Yeah, <laughs> some days it's easier than others. 
But anyhow, um, moving forward. Bought the headset. Was dissatisfied with life and myself and my choices. You know, not even living up to what I believed with my faith. And well, let's just go. Let's just let's just go away from it all. Let's get away from it. Let's go to VR. Let's just, let's escape. This might be your only chance. But you know, all those sci-fi shows like Dot Hack Sign. Hey. Talked about that. And best I thought, anime ever. <laughs> you know. Yes. Start out online can suck it. Dot hack is way better. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. Dot hack's better than Sword Art Online. Check it out. Way better. Team Dot Hack. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen Sword Art Online, but <laughs> we're gonna make I, so I much enemies after this video. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> if you like Sword Art Online, that's awesome. You can. But Dot Hack's still better. <laughs> Okay, moving forward, moving forward. Now that we've, you know, set set a flame war going <laughs> with anime. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's the fear that you get lost in it and leave your real life behind, but... Of course. I kind of had the opposite experience. Came into VR. Got a Yang avatar, female avatar, and, you know, I, uh... At first, I just tried to be totally neutral in my language. And about half of my friends in VR uh, viewed me as female at the time. And I realized, well, half of my friends view me as female? And I'm being myself? Hang on a second. <laughs> and again, I reemphasize here that I've always still been myself. The PJ you know as a female is the exact same male PJ under the mask. It's not any different. But, um, anyhow. So came into VR, I got to meet people. I got to meet other artists, creators, friends, tech geeks. Being around the geeks. I felt at home, in a way. And... I also felt really grateful for what I had in real life. And there aren't very many married people in VR. There's a lot of people escaping things, well, much harder than what I've gone through. Now I, uh, I'm very grateful for my marriage, my wonderful kids, my job, my spouse. I feel so blessed. But mostly, I guess I needed something to help me escape my body for a little bit to express this part of my imagination. And I did. See, the, the pornography issue, it followed me into VR for a little bit. Then it just kind of started moving to the wayside. And that all changed when I made my first custom avatar summer shark you know she's not commercial ready i i found materials from so many different places i couldn't have the rights to them so i'm not wearing her for the podcast but i love that shark she's beautiful but when i made her and i put on that avatar in vr i looked down i looked at the body that i'd made or at least compiled the parts together to make and I just had too much respect for myself as an artist 
and for the beauty of the female figure that that was the end like I mean I haven't been perfect pornography is still a temptation but I have not acted out on it I haven't since I made my summer shark avatar and as I've uh, talked with people uh, my story isn't so much an overcoming pornography story it's just a finding a a non-sexualized coping mechanism for gender dysphoria I suppose but uh, honestly when I did go after the pornography it was it's about the regular cycle people would do things anyway it was once or twice a week most times so but about the time that I dove into the avatars that I dove into this I was busy with something I was focused with something I was being a better parent I was less stressed at school and my spouse saw the change and you know extended an olive branch to me and um, well about the same time I made that summer shark avatar is the same time that we started we took a, a second go at building our intimate relationship and it has been wonderful obviously I won't give the details I'm not trying to be scandalous but intimacy is a huge part of marriage and it was what we were lacking and this had been a barrier to it but now that I had a way to express it and to imagine it um, it wasn't a hindrance anymore we uh, just moved forward and adapted and um, it was a month later I renewed my temple recommend we went to temple services together and I told this story in some detail to my bishop two days before we went to temple services and then we went we all went together it was wonderful Wow. <laughs> leave you speechless. <laughs> of course. I Just mean, the journey. Sort of the gist. I mean, that's sort of the gist of the story of PJ and how she came to be and how she's my outlet in VR and uh, you know I guess to address some of the people who might feel a little miffed about finding who's under the mask of PJ herself maybe felt lied to I, I guess I'd reemphasize a couple things I uh I didn't use labels, and I don't use labels because I don't want to be attention-seeking. I don't. This is not meant to be attention-seeking. Um, share this with people that will help that see it and are interested in the podcast. Share it, yes, but be respectful. It, you know, uh, there was a time where I started telling all my friends in VR to be honest with them, not to be attention-seeking, and I even started telling uh, everybody I met in VR when I introduced myself for about two days. <sighs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. 
So, as I started telling my story and introducing myself, some attention-seeking narcissist popped out of the woodworks to say, Oh, your story is so tragic, but not as tragic as mine. And I'm like, did you not listen to my story? It's not tragic. I've got a good spot. But then I realized that there's a lot of people that try and share stories like this just to get people's attention. Just to say, oh, woe is me. But Right, but there's no competition. I mean... I know it's it's not, but some people seem to treat it as it was one. They really try to treat it like it was a competition. So, hang on. I have a message I have to check. I'm sorry, everybody. Huh. Okay, I'll have to get back to that later. Anyhow. Um, so, anyhow. Uh, I don't do this to seek attention. And I know I'm risking a lot by, you know, taking off the mask. But, um, you know, it's... It's worth it if it helps one person. One person struggling. One person coping. One person who needs to find an outlet. There's nothing wrong with you for having gender dysphoria. There's nothing wrong with you if you also are bipolar or have ADHD or OCD. There's nothing wrong with you. You have a condition you need to manage. You may need to be treated, but that doesn't make you wrong. It's just you. I'm just me. There's nothing evil or wrong about having gender dysphoria. Now, I did need to find a way to find a healthy expression of it that I could be happy with. And I am. Like, I've got a, a part-time freelance job making art. I have a chance to finally socialize because I never got to do it as a teenager because I was so shy so shy and introverted in part due to this but now I have it and I'm so grateful for it and I I honestly feel that me spontaneously buying my headset that I was shocked and horrified that I did <laughs> I was so shocked and horrified that I did it I I know that it was inspiration from my Heavenly Father that I was going to find something here that was going to help me. I've never been a spontaneous spender like that, ever. <laughs> Especially in that amount. Never in a million moons did I ever think I would just drop $300 on something at a whim. That has been the best impulse buy of my entire life so far. I'm PJ, and I uh, I love playing VR. I'm the middle school art teacher who makes her own avatars. PJ, thank you for your time, and we have to do this again because I always enjoy 
your words of wisdom. Um, I think we'll end the podcast there, but actually, let's do a plug-in. Um, do you, what? Where can people follow you on Twitter? Yes, well, um, if you're still here and you're interested, you're curious about, well, can I commission for customized an avatar? Um, it, it's PJ Drawn on Twitter. You can find me there. Um, Do it. I, you can. I got a showcase of my avatars. You can see. I actually haven't. I need to put a show, showcase of my Prue Jelly. This avatar. Yeah, nothing rhymes with purple. So Prue's the back name <laughs> I can get. <laughs> it plays to play on the being PJ, right? That's. I made something that was more. You know. Let's be me as an avatar, but in a fun and quirky way. I mean, all my avatars are basically symbolic representations of some part of myself, and an ex, you know, but helping me also find an outlet for, you know, my gender dysphoria. But, you know, I love making the avatars. I love making the art. I love my job. I love my kids. I love my wonderful spouse. Spouse has been really supportive in all of this and I guess at the end of things I finally accepted myself but it was so very wonderful at one point when I was you know going through this journey and figuring it all out I had a conversation with my spouse and realized my spouse accepted me too and that was that was one of the happiest days of my life. Wow. Right up there with my children being born and my mission and marriage, knowing I was accepted by the one I loved. Wow. Uh, <laughs> if you want to make, if you want someone to make your OC into an avatar for personal use or spend a little bit more money for commercial use, PJ Drown on Twitter. I accept PayPal. <laughs> Do it or we'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> but don't, don't flame, don't start the flame war about Sword Art Online on my Twitter though. Please, please not there. Don't, Do it yeah. So you can meet me on a Discord and do it. There are places for <laughs> online for that, but not, not the Twitter. <laughs> but anyhow, um, I really appreciate you taking the time, Chroma, and uh, I hope there's someone out there that if you're struggling with either issues due to your body or weight or a gender dysphoria. I hope my story gives you some hope. I'm married with a family and I'm happy. The dysphoria did not go away. I had to find a healthy outlet for it. And I hope everybody can find one. They can find some way to express it in a way that helps them. I found one and I'm so grateful for it. I hope you can find one too. And maybe yours is in VR too. I don't know. That's the podcast. PJ, thank you again. 
We'll see you next episode.